Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk again about the Kingdom of God. We've been using a speech given by Mr. Ron Paul, who has left the political arena, and his goodbye speech was very interesting from the point of view of history and from the point of view of biblical principles, that he was probably the only real Christian or close to being a real Christian that you could find as a candidate in our modern times. That's because most Christians are deeply steeped in apostasy and they are in bad need of the gospel of the kingdom. It is an actual alternative system by which people will govern themselves. It leads to liberty as it leads people to take back the responsibilities that God has placed upon us of loving our neighbor as ourselves. A lot of people think that they can love their neighbor because they have good feelings about them when they sit in their pews at church singing songs, but that's really not what love is all about. Love is an action word, and it leads to prosperity. It leads to fruits that produce a strong and viable society of free people that are virtuous in every aspect of their life. That's not what we have in the world today. We have a very unvirtuous society. Of course, it looks at itself and believes that it's pretty good because it doesn't know what real virtue is. It does not understand some of the basic principles of virtue and righteousness and morality. And it puts on a good face because it runs on pride. And it must be proud of the face that it puts on. So, therefore... It creates a morality, it creates religions, it creates philosophies, it creates a concept of right and wrong based on its own knowledge and not upon the true knowledge of what is righteous and unrighteous. We have a great deal of libertarians in the world today that are talking about uh, the fact that we should not be forcing one another to do things to provide for each other, that we should be doing these voluntarily and they call themselves libertarians. The reality is the early Christians were the ultimate in libertarian. Unfortunately, we don't know what they were really doing because that's not what's being taught to us in our Bible schools and in our seminaries. And so libertarians have become atheists, believing that the superstitious approach to God and creation is such a failure it has delivered us into such bondage that it must be all wrong. And, of course, it's not all wrong. It's actually very right. I, I recently read a, a uh, essay, I guess it would be called, by um, a famous libertarian, uh, Stefan. Um, I can't remember his last name right offhand. Uh, I'll get it later. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm very bad at names. But anyway, uh, he uh, he's quite an atheist and wrote something against the gods, the belief in God. And 
he even goes into the argument of string theory and and um, other uh, concepts and says, oh, you can't rely on that for proof of God, even though that's actually what is taking place today in modern science, is that they are proving the existence of heaven and hell and God through, and even evil through their mathematical equations that are coming up with an explanation of the universe in which we live. They don't want to refer to it as heaven and hell. They don't want to refer to it as God and as a central creator, a divine essence that has this personality, this character. Because so many of modern science today are atheists and they live in a hierarchy of their own. They have created a religion of their own out of their science. Then they believe in their evolution theories and other theories of creation, their Big Bang theories. And the problem is, is that the mathematicians are coming up with a, a, a vision of creation that fits more into the biblical creation than it does into what these modern atheists want to believe is so. And it's because they have faith in their knowledge of what is right and what is wrong. And, of course, that leads them to destruction eventually. And that's what we see. I, I also listened to another scientist and author and uh, producer of a magazine. I won't give him any plugs, but uh, he was rolling out all these statistics trying to show that everything is getting better. It's getting better because, you know, these crimes are down and these crimes are down and these things are, you know, there's more liberty and there's... Uh, more buying power and all this stuff. And, of course, it's all manipulated statistics. If you went and looked at other statistics about disease being rampant, inflation being rampant, and he always says, oh, we'll solve all these problems eventually. Well, we, we will eventually solve these problems when we return to the ways of Christ. But until we do that, we are going to continue to compound those problems. Now, Let's go back to that speech of Ron Paul. We've already had a number of shows on that. There must be at least four hours in our archives on the subject. And let's, let's focus on that. In the last recording that I made uh, for the show, we talked about inflation, about the fact that at the time of Jesus Christ, a sack of wheat called a modius of wheat only cost six denarii. And that would be about six dimes. And you could buy this 30-pound sack of grain. By the time of Diocletian, it had reached peaks of 120,000 denarii for the same sack. Now, I mentioned that in passing, but I never got around to telling you why. I was showing the parallels from that time to our time today. But I never told you really why in that particular talk although I have mentioned it many times before in the past, well, the reason why is they had taken the silver out of the gold and silver coins. And I lay that as a foundation so that when we get to the questions asked by Mr. Paul, that you will have a foundation to understand what's going on. And there's many layers to this. So the inflation was not just call, caused by that. The Roman bankruptcy and inflation that was taking place was also because they had put in a social welfare program that was bankrupting the nation. Huge volumes of giveaway grain and bread, free bread and circuses 
were being provided for the people to keep them placated and entertained. I mean, they didn't have fluoride yet, so they had to do something to keep the people placated and entertained and complacent. And welfare was the way to do this. And Rome had an extensive system of welfare. Herod had done the same thing and built up a system of welfare. You could enter that system by getting baptized, by being registered. Uh, if you were not registered, you were referred to as idiotis, unregistered. But the Christians would not register. And so, therefore, they were called idiotis. And if you want to understand more about that, go to our website at hisholychurch.org and look up on the outline page of all the articles or just do a word search in the little Google search engine up in the corner. Uh, for our Christians idiots. Because we, you know, it's like many of my articles, I'm kind of playing with words here, but find out why Christians were called ignorant and idiots and idiotis and really what that was all about. And if you don't understand the context of history, when you read the Bible, you can be misled. And there has been a lot of that misleading going on. So Rome was being bankrupt because they took the silver out of the Roman denarii. They started this with Nero. That's how quickly after Christ they had begun this process. They actually, you can even go back a little bit farther because you can find that Mark Anthony and Cleopatra took about 10% of the silver out of the Roman silver coin that they were minting to pay their military. And, but it was really Nero who got the ball rolling with about 40% of the silver removed. And actually, one of the places that knew how to do that, how to water down the coins, was the Temple at Ephesus. Why the Temple at Ephesus? Because it was the World Bank of its day. It was the underwriter of these social welfare systems throughout the Roman Empire. Over 127 different nations had joined that Temple at Ephesus in order to obtain those international benefits and the Christians were accused of robbing the temple at Ephesus what was going on why was this taking place I also mentioned the temple of Saturn that's where you deposited your birth registration you had to get a birth certificate to register your child in order to obtain these benefits. So you went to the Temple of Saturn, which was its Bureau of Vital Statistics. Of course, the Christians didn't go to the Temple of Saturn. They didn't go to the Parthenos. They didn't go to these temples because they had a living temple, which was a network of Christians all across the Roman Empire and even beyond that cared as much about their fellow Christians as they did themselves. They actually even cared about the strangers in their midst or the strangers they were in the midst of and would help others out like good Samaritans. And this gave them a nobility that allowed them to not only survive but to thrive during the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. Unfortunately, today, Christians are not doing any of those things to any extent that you see back then. Now, Let's go back to some of these parallels that I mentioned in the previous shows. This morphing of the Libera Res Publica, the free from things public, the, the Republic of Rome as it was in the beginning, and how it slowly evolved into a social democracy and then into, into rapidly into a dictatorship, a totalitarian dictatorship that actually murdered people by the tens of thousands and drain them of their economy and of their life. 
This is the way we go when we open the door to social democracies, where we think that it's okay to take away from our neighbor to provide ourselves with food benefits, with benefits of any kind. Uh, since January of about 2009, the number of individuals on food stamps has skyrocketed from 31.9 million to the current record of over 47 million Americans on food stamps. That's unbelievable. Think of a bread line, 47 million people long. Huge, huge, tremendous photo opportunity, but you don't get to see it because there is no food line that you get to see because they're all walking around with EBT cards. Who makes the EBT cards? Who provides that system? J.P. Morgan is the administrator of the Electronic Benefit Transfer, EBT. And that's how they get their free bread in from Rome today. And it's growing. And it's only a short step from an electronic benefit transfer card to that card becoming your food ration card. Without that card, bread could be $100 a loaf at the at present rate of growing inflation. And that's exactly where we're going. Uh, the contract, uh, the state EBT contracts have totaled over, I don't know if I can even, uh, $560,492,000. Actually, I can give you down to two cents. But the point is, is it's growing rapidly. They originally called it the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, or SNAP. It costs over $72 billion more than double the $30 billion spent four years ago. That's huge, huge change. And the trend that has brought us to this point is not turning around. So those numbers will just continue to skyrocket. They are not going to change. And there's really nothing going on in our modern economy to change it. And this is where we get to these questions asked by Mr. Paul and put into his speech, his farewell speech to Congress. And he says, excessive governments, or excuse me, excessive government has created such a mess, it prompts many questions. And here's the first one he puts. Why are sick people who, are, uh, who use medical marijuana put in prison? Now, if you just mention medical marijuana, people think, oh, they're just a bunch of dope smokers. The fact is, you can see extreme change from people who have Parkinson's shaking uncontrollably, smoking just a small amount of marijuana, or taking a small amount of the oils from marijuana, which is what you're actually doing when you smoke the marijuana. And suddenly, their shaking stops, and they are able to function and walk. It's temporary relief, but if you are shaking constantly and unable to even function without assistance, a few minutes of relief is a godsend. And so, yes, now I agree that many people that want to take medical marijuana just simply want to smoke dope. I know them. Some of them are lazy. Some of them shouldn't be allowed to have that marijuana. But you just have to work that out. Why are you depriving other people that would actually show a benefit? There is huge evidence that the use of the oils from the marijuana plant, from certain species of the marijuana plant, 
have a tremendous healing effect on people with cataracts, with um, uh, cancer. And more and more, all that plant was being used in experiments to cure cancer back in the 20s when they outlawed it. And so the idea that legalizing marijuana would save us millions and millions and millions of dollars in law enforcement, it would release people from prison. Yes, legalizing it to some degree would also allow it to be used improperly. But the fact is, when you had prohibition of alcohol, alcoholism grew in America. That's the way it is, especially in America, because Americans resist control. There is an element of Americans that resist control. And if you say, I can't do it, they'll want to do it. And the mafia grew during Prohibition. The same thing is going on. Your drug cartels are growing because of the fact that you've outlawed marijuana. Now, personally, I've never smoked marijuana. I've never inhaled it. I don't have any interest in it. But I have seen its medicinal effects can be very valuable, but they have it outlawed. Now, we're going to carry this on a little bit farther in his questions. But then his next question was, why does the federal government restrict the drinking of raw milk? Now, I have a granddaughter who drinks raw milk because we have a dairy cow right outside the door. Now, everybody can't have a dairy cow right outside the door, but I can tell you her uh, uh, skin problems, literally rashes and eruptions take place if she doesn't get that raw milk. If she gets the raw milk, it goes away. She is very sensitive and has, you know, eczema and psoriasis, and if she gets the raw milk, it clears up. If she doesn't get the raw milk, it comes back. And that's peculiar to her. And But it would be immoral not to let her have raw milk. Fortunately, like I said, we can have a dairy cow right outside our door. And we can go get the raw milk ourselves. But many other people across the country are absolutely forbidden from having raw milk. People are thrown into jail. People are fined. People are abused unbelievably because of a totalitarian attitude that raw milk somehow is a bad thing. That if you drink homogenized, pasteurized milk, you won't get sick. But if you drink raw milk, you will. Did you understand that smallpox, the reason they discovered that smallpox could be cured or prevented by a vaccine, not cured, prevented by a vaccine, was because someone noticed that all the milkmaids who were out there milking cows by hand did not get smallpox. Why? Because their symbiotic relationship with that bovine gave them a natural immunity to smallpox. Isn't that amazing? And what they did, instead of everybody having a dairy cow where they milked that cow and developed that natural immunity, they, they, have, they started inventing vaccines. What you should have brought to the Indians instead of vaccines was dairy cows. Bring them dairy cows. Now, I'm, I'm not a big advocate in constantly drinking lots and lots of milk. But for people who have allergy problems, 
for people who have things like eczema? Raw milk can be the answer that homogenized and pasteurized milk cannot be. As a matter of fact, homogenized milk can actually cause allergy problems. And yeah, if I had a multi-million dollar industry, uh, the uh, whole milk or the uh, homogenized processed milk industry backing me, I could go out there and try to convince everybody that hum raw milk is bad. But the raw milk industry doesn't have those kinds of funds. But you are given a brain. You are given a responsibility to find out what the answer is. And the government is going to, to tell you what's right and wrong. They're actually forbidding you. Now, they should... I, I don't have any problem with the government warning about problems with raw milk. And why why do they have the power to do this? Now, we say, oh, they should stop that. They shouldn't do this. But the reality is, if you get sick because you drink contaminated raw milk... Now, you can drink contaminated homogenized milk, too. But if you get sick drinking that raw milk, you're going to run to the government for benefits, medical benefits to take care of you. If you get sick from all kinds of things, you do that. They actually have passed laws now that if you get sick from vaccines... They don't have to pay. Well, the government may pay, but the companies who produce the vaccines, they don't have to pay. They can't be sued. But that's another story. But it's related to some degree. The reality is this, this control that they have is because you have gone to them and applied for benefits. The reason you have to wear a safety belt in your car is because if you have an accident, you probably are going to be eligible for government medical benefits. You're a human resource. They don't want to see you get hurt because it's going to cost them. Not because they love you. Because it's going to cost them. And besides that, they can make lots of money giving you tickets if you don't wear a seat belt. I mean, millions and millions of dollars have been collected in tickets because people didn't buckle up. So people buckle up not so much to save themselves, but to save themselves the cost of a ticket. <laughs> so, And unfortunately, that's the way the slothful are. They, they don't live by common sense. They don't live by wisdom. They don't live by the leading of the Holy Spirit. They live by what they're told and they need to be told because they're irresponsible. Because they have neglected their responsibilities. But for those of you who want to take back your responsibilities... You should have a right to drink raw milk and not be arrested. Why can't Americans manufacture rope and other products from hemp? Now, this is, this is his question. And you can tell by the inflection that I'm reading these questions right off of his speech. But what is hemp? Now, we talk about marijuana, but hemp is the actual plant. And there are several different species of that. And some of them... It doesn't do you any good to smoke because it doesn't have the chemicals that you're looking for, whether it's for a medicinal improvement of your health or whether it's uh, uh, you just want to get high. It doesn't work if you smoke rope, but they're both hemp. And they also produce canvases and other materials and building materials. And it's just a wonderful plant. George Washington grew it. He said that it was essential that every farm should be growing it. You can literally grow your firewood out of hemp. It is a tremendously valuable plant that was given to us by God. 
But you can't grow the rope hemp either. Now, why do they stop you from growing the rope hemp when you can't smoke it? Why did they make that illegal that they are distinguishable plants? Well, I'm going to tell you why when we get back to Keys to the Kingdom, but I'll keep you wondering. Why wouldn't they let you, let you grow that hemp? Why, if you grew that rope hemp in Humboldt County, you would be tarred and feathered? And I'll tell you on Keys to the Kingdom when we return in just a moment. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, we're sending out a newsletter today on the Kingdom News List. We also sent out a newsletter to the Deer Network. And what is the Deer Network? It is actually the Living Network. But almost everybody on the Deer Network will get this email um, because we're sending it out to every one of them. And it has to do with why you want to form congregations of record. And it, during the sandy storm that happened a while ago, we had people go out and try to help other people. And we've done this during other hurricanes, and we will probably do it during earthquakes and what have you. And that's great. But in order to do it efficiently, we have to know who is a part of the network, because those are the ones that we need to help first. And then we will help the strangers in our midst and other people. And this is what the early church was doing as their society began to break down. Their Roman society was faltering and collapsing because of inflation, because of corruption in the government, because of totalitarian measures. They had price controls that ended up including the death penalty. If you got caught raising prices beyond what they said you should charge... You could actually be executed in Rome. Those kinds of things will happen again because history does repeat itself. The Christians thrived through this period even though they were persecuted. And they were a separate people. They were a holy people. That's what holy means, separate. They were operating and governing themselves. These are the ones who said there is another king one Jesus, and they were doing contrary to the decrees of Caesar. They weren't disobeying them. They didn't have to obey them because they had a separate system based on the perfect law of liberty, which included faith, hope, and charity. In other words, you gave in order to help others out. You cast your bread upon the waters in the hope that they would be there for you. Not entitlements, but hope. This creates trust, this creates honor, this creates virtue in a society. It strengthens the virtue that may already be there. And this is why the Christians were organized in this fashion. And to tell you the truth, it's why Israel was organized in this fashion. So whether you're a Jew or a Hindu or a Muslim, by birth, you need to take another look at what Christ was actually saying and preaching and start following in his ways so that ye might be saved. So anyway, why would they tar and feather you in Humboldt County if you started growing hemp the rope? The hemp that you can't smoke? Why would they be upset? Because when the hemp plant that you make the rope and the canvas and the clothes from crosses with the other one, the other one becomes ineffectual. 
and they grow hemp all over uh, Humboldt County. It's one of the big producers of marijuana in California. And, you know, you can, you can walk down the road and find somebody who will sell it to you. Um, I've never bought it. I've never smoked it. But the reality is I know that's going on. I'm not stupid. But the fact is, is if you were started to grow hemp, if they legalize you to grow hemp for rope, not for smoking because you can't smoke it, doesn't do you any good, uh, they would be absolutely outraged. They would, because if that pollen gets in and crosses with their plant, they're in trouble. And so that's why they had to, in order to create this prison industry and this controlled police state, you had to outlaw them both so that somebody would illegally grow the other, create a black market, and from that you would gain this powerful control over society because you have this huge military force out there supposedly protecting you from marijuana, which you could actually be using to improve your health in some unique situations. Government should not be in that kind of regulatory business. It could be a bully pulpit where you could say, look, there's some disadvantages. Don't do this. Don't do that. These are better. These are better. They could even, if they want, they could even tax the manufacturer of the stuff and use it as a revenue. That would be better than what they presently have, although I'm not promoting that. But the reality is this is why Mr. Paul is asking these questions, because it's destroying America. It's dividing America. And it's not doing it for any rational or reasonable purpose, because you'd be better off if they legalized it. And look at countries like uh, Holland. And, you know, over there we have friends that over there where it's legal and if nobody's going around hardly even smoking it and you can buy it anywhere uh, the only ones who really buy it are the foreigners who are coming from other countries they come there to smoke marijuana the general population they don't have any interest in it but if you have alzheimer's or uh, not really alzheimer's but uh, parkinson's and you smoke it you can get relief from the shaking tremors and if you have other problems, you can get relief from the oils because it's legal there and it's getting legal in other. Now, an interesting thing is, although they're legalizing it, the medical marijuana in several states, I think Washington, uh, what was it, Colorado, I think recently did. I think Connecticut has recently done it. The reality is, is that the UN is now issuing warnings that they have made it illegal, which I, I don't know what they've done with poor Denmark. <laughs> anyway, so that's all interesting. But the next question, let's move on to the next question. Why are Americans not allowed to use gold and silver as legal tender as mandated by the Constitution? Well, that could take four or five programs. If you go and listen to our program on law versus legal and employee versus enslave, and conversion versus reconversion, and money versus mammon, you would get more and more of an understanding. And these are all chapters of the books, Covenants of the Gods. But the reality is gold and silver is dirt. That's what gold and silver is. It's just dirt. It's just a piece of the earth. It's a piece of the rock. And it's very portable and it's highly concentrated dirt and it has an intrinsic value and so it's been used as an exchange uh, 
uh, substance for monetary purposes for centuries. And the, as I showed you that when they took the silver out of the Roman silver denarii and made it out of iron, it became worthless and it couldn't buy anything because it had no intrinsic value. It was only worth the iron that was in it. And today, your dollars are only worth the paper they're printed on. And so, even if you go to the Federal Reserve website, they will tell you that Federal Reserve notes have no value. They have no value. Now, they had a value once as something that was redeemable, but that's all gone away since about 1977. Before that, it went away for American citizens, U.S. citizens. I should say U.S. citizens, not Americans. But for U.S. citizens, the value of the Federal Reserve note went away because they could no longer redeem them in gold and silver. As a matter of fact, they couldn't even own gold and silver, according to HJR 192. Now, HJR 192 has been repealed but you still can't have a lawful title to gold. And again, if you want a fuller explanation, you've got to go read Law versus Legal or listen to the audios on that. But a legal title is, not, is only an apparent title. It carries with it no beneficial interest. The beneficial interest is the actual ownership of the property itself. You pay $400,000 for a legal title to a piece of property. You do not own the property. You own the legal title, and that does not include the beneficial interest. If you want the beneficial interest, you must pay the use tax, the property tax. You don't pay the use tax for a couple of years. They take the whole property away from you. They sell it, and they keep the money in many states. Some states will refund what's left over, which is usually not very much. But the point is you don't own it. You're not the actual title holder of the property. You're only the title holder of the legal title, which doesn't include the beneficial interest or use of that property. Again, gold and silver is dirt. You can have gold coins, you can have silver coins now because they have repealed HJR 192, but you only have legal title to them. They can take it away anytime they want. They can tax the fact that you have them. It's just easier to tax property tax rather than, you know, if you have gold coins hidden out in a coffee can somewhere, they can't tax that. But they could tax the use of it so that when you go to try to trade it in, they could tax that. The only reason they're not doing that is the very wealthy people who are in control of your government and manipulating things behind the scenes, they use gold and silver and they don't want anybody messing with their gold and silver. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so that's why... You can't actually use it as legal tender because you don't actually own it. You can't pay a debt with a note. This all has to do with the Federal Reserve System. This has to do with just weights and measures that are in the Bible. You should have just weights and measures. Instead, you're buying everything with paper that has no value according to the people who have issued it into circulation. Even Rome hadn't gotten that bad at the time of Christ. You've gone way beyond. It's worse with you than it was with Rome, which we quoted in the last show. But anyway, here's another question that Paul puts out. Why is Germany concerned enough to consider repatriating their gold held by the Fed for her, uh, for her in New York? Is it that the trust in the U.S. 
and the dollar supremacy beginning to wane? Well, certainly it is. They don't want to let that on. China is worried about that. They're dumping U.S. dollars as fast as they can without collapsing the dollar. And that happens to be sustaining the economy in the United States because they're buying everything from uh, boards to uh, bullets to what have you from American uh, commerce because they don't want to get stuck with all those U.S. dollars they got by selling us all that junk at Walmart. <laughs> so anyway, they know that it has a limited life expectancy and the U.S. dollar will eventually collapse. And that's inevitable. There's there's really nothing you can do about it. You could slow it down. You could speed it up. They seem to be wanting to almost speed it up or by or at least postponing it long enough so that the bigger you are, the harder you fall. But the reality is what you should be doing is seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness because things are going to shift tremendously someday. I don't want you to do it out of fear. I want you to do it out of love for one another. Okay, another question. Why do our Paula excuse me, why do our political leaders believe it's necessary to thoroughly audit our own gold? Actually, I didn't know our political leaders... Oh, excuse me, I read that wrong. Let me read that again. <laughs> I did, it didn't make sense when I read it. Why do our political leaders believe it's unnecessary to thoroughly audit our own gold? Because they know what the outcome is. They, they know what the outcome of that audit would be. It's terrible. We're in a lot of trouble. We are the most bankrupt nation in the history of the world. <laughs> and we are going to come down very hard. And Christians should thrive and survive during that period if they were actually being Christians. And they're not. And we need to repent and we need to turn around and do what the early church was doing. Because you're not doing that in your churches, which I won't get into that right now. We'll keep going through these questions. But I can tell you right now, the modern American church, the modern churches of the world in Australia and England and where have you, need to repent. They need to start preaching the whole gospel of the kingdom. They need to start practicing Pure religion. If you don't know what I mean by that, go to our website and look up the words pure religion and read the article there. You may be shocked. Why can't Americans decide which type of light bulb they can buy? Now they're talking about these fluorescent lights that you're now supposed to buy and you can't have these other light bulbs and all this kind of stuff. This all has to do with money. This is all money driven. As I said in the last show, why did we go into Vietnam? I was around in the days of Vietnam. I was drafted back then. Thought, you know, well, need to serve my country, you know, and I was still trying to figure out how everything works. A few years later, I was sitting with the head of the Democratic Party in Wisconsin, and he said, oh, he was actually at the meeting with Eisenhower when they decided, Eisenhower said they decided to have a series of brush wars in Southeast Asia, Vietnam, a series of wars. They decided to have a series of wars. Not to defend democracy, not to make the world safe from communism, but to have a series of wars for the purposes of stimulating the coal and steel industry. Because they needed stimulating. They needed 
to have their industry stimulated to make more money to create more tax revenue. And with that, the industrial war complex also was going to be stimulated. He happened to be, that particular individual was in the mining of iron ore industry, and that's why he was at that meeting. But the reality is that's why you had Vietnam. So why did you have the Iraqi war? Why did you have the Afghani war? To make the world safe for democracy? Why did they invade Libya? Gaddafi was in favor of democracy. It was one of the most democratic countries in, except for his office, it was the most democratic country in Africa. He, he, he read his green book. He's all for democracy. And he had raised the standard of living for the average citizen far beyond the, any other nation in Africa, probably far beyond any other country in Europe as far as actual raising from one point to the next point the standard of living for the people, the amount of education that they had. And I'm not saying he was a great guy, but the idea that by getting rid of him they were going to get democracy, forget it. And besides, do you really want democracy? That's another question. But you can go look up some of our articles on democracy on the website as well because you can't hardly find anybody in American history that was pro-democracy. Hardly any of them. Uh, Karl Marx was for it because he knew it led to socialism and socialism leads to communism. And we know that communism leads to Holocaust. And that's what you're going to get. I mean, Hitler was a social democrat. He was all for social democracy. Okay, next question. Why is the TSA permitted to abuse the rights of any American traveling by air? Well, the reason why is Americans are slothful, weak, selfish, unchristian people as a whole. I'm, I'm speaking in generalities, and I know that's a mean, cruel thing to say, but the truth is sometimes mean and cruel. As many as I love, I also rebuke. You need to know that. The reason the TSA is... If you wanted to make the airlines safe from hijackers, what you should do is hand out a box cutter to everybody who gets on the plane. That's right. Give them a razor-sharp box cutter to everybody who's, say, 18 years of age and older who gets on the plane. And there's not going to be any hijackers hijacking that plane. Because they're going to be sliced and diced before they get to the cockpit. And that's the way it is. That's what would make us safe. But no, they got the TSA that's going to make us safe. Now, yeah, you could still get a bomb on. The fact is you could still get a bomb on today. They, they, all this money and all this energy they're spending, they're really not stopping anything. It's about control. It's about getting you used to doing what you're told. And and that's what it's really about. Now, you can say, oh, well, that's just conspiracy theory. But that's that's really what it's about. There's a spirit of control in this country. And it's coming in through the door of progressivism. Where people want to control their neighbor. They want to force their neighbor to contribute to their welfare. That is not just entering in the last few years. That came about and started growing with the implementation of public schools back in the 1850s. The idea that I should have to pay for your child's education, and if I don't, you'll take my house away from me, is not a Christian concept. 
It's antichrist. It is not the perfect law of liberty. It is insidious, evil idea that you have become comfortable with and you should be ashamed of. So you need to go back to home schools, which in one of the last shows we talked about, Paul says that, Mr. Paul says that public schools are, are going to be key to returning to a free nation. And those that do not want to return to a free nation know that. Did I say public schools? Home schools. Home schools. I have to go back and listen to that. Did I say public schools? Home schools is, is a key to developing a free nation. Public schools is the key to developing a socialist nation because public schools is a socialist program. So you have to repent of that and go back the other way. And you can't really do that in a lot of situations unless you congregate together. Because if you congregate together, you can help one another make that happen. And you can create a... You know, one of the things in ancient times, the Greeks were all starting these city-states and they were starting them a number of different ways. And one of them was kind of democratic, like Athens. And they were trying to get other people to build these walled cities like they did. And with that walled city also came a measure of control over the life of those who were within that wall. And they brought it to one group of Greeks who, who were very active during the Peloponnesian Wars. But they offered to even loan them the money so that they could build a wall around their city to make their city more secure. And they said, no, they weren't going to do it. And they tried to convince them and tried to convince them. They said, no. It says, but you need a wall around your city to protect it. And their response was, we are our wall. They were bound together. And the reality is, after the Peloponnesian Wars, they were still around. And the wall that was around Athens led to its almost total destruction because of the terrible famine that took place while they were hiding, cowering behind their walls. They would have been better off to form a network of Greeks that came to each other's aid and become a wall of righteousness. And that's what we need to do because that's not what we are today. We are a wall of selfishness. And that selfishness binds us in. He asks another question. Why should there be mandatory sentences even up to life for crimes without victims? as our drug laws require. You see, we haven't been doing what Christ said. This is why this comes about in our midst. We've been singing in our churches and not doing what Christ said. And Christ said what? It is better that you have attended to the weightier matters than do all your singing and arm-waving in church. You haven't been tending to the weightier matters. And those weightier matters, and you hear me say it all the time, but you hear me say it all the time because your preachers aren't saying it, so I have to say it twice, ten times, a hundred times, a thousand times, and I don't mind saying it. You should be attending to law, judgment, mercy, and faith. It is not merciful to put man in jail for life. I actually heard just the other day, we had some people visiting a prison back in the Midwest, almost uh, in the East uh, in Pennsylvania area anyway. And there was a young person that had been put into jail there. 
He was now, I think, 89 years old or 98 years old, 89 years old. He eventually received a pardon. He'd been put in when he was 15. He'd received a reprieve or pardon so that he could leave. He didn't want to go. He'd been in jail all his life. He didn't want to go. This is the only place he was comfortable. And that's what's happening to you. You're in jail right now. You're in a prison of ideas. A prison of thought. And you can't get out because you want to believe you're okay. You want to believe that you're righteous. You want to believe that your government is the best government in the world. And I don't care where you live. I'm not talking about the United States alone. Every single country has gone the socialist way to one degree or another. And it's leading to destruction across the world of society itself that is already destroyed. It just hasn't hit the sidewalk yet. It is already divided. It is not bound together by love. It's bound together by love of benefits. That is the way of Esau. That is the way of Edom. That is the way of the Nicolaitan. And you need to repent of that. You need to turn around. You need to go the other way. So join us at His Holy Church. Join the Living Network. Form congregations of record. And start actually learning what it means to care about others as much as you care about yourself. Till we return, may peace be upon your house. And may God be with you. Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. We're using the speech given by Mr. Ron Paul as he left political life in Congress. And I'm sure he will still be preaching his ideas and and concepts of good government. And as you've already heard, if you've listened to this whole series, that we don't necessarily agree with him all the time. We're even more radical than that crazy Ron Paul because we actually preach Christ, who is the ultimate revolutionary. He believe that we could actually live in a government based on faith, hope, and charity instead of force, fear, and violence. We could actually learn to govern ourselves by virtue and righteousness and the righteousness of God. We could actually tend to the weightier matters of law, judgment, and mercy amongst ourselves in such a way that we would become a light unto the world. Unfortunately, modern Christians don't do any of that. <laughs> modern Christians have followed the ways of Constantine. They have gotten baptized, but they have not repented of their covetous ways. Now, I actually had a preacher who I know and I respect a great deal when I was explaining that Jesus said when he was asked, what must I do to obtain eternal life? And he says, thou knowest them, keep the commandments which includes not coveting your neighbor's goods. It includes not killing. 
unnecessarily, you know, I mean, killing in the sense of murder. Not, you know, I mean, obviously, if someone is about to kill, you know, a hundred people by pushing a button on a bomb or something, and you shoot him, drop him, so that he cannot push the button, you have killed somebody, but you have saved a hundred lives from the bomb that he was about to set off. If you say, oh, I can't kill anybody, and you let him push the button, then you become instrumental in the murder of a hundred people that you could have prevented. Now, yeah, if you could shoot his thumb off so that he can't push the button, we'll go ahead and try for that, but I think it would be better if you go for a better shot. <laughs> you know, I'm not advocating violence in any way, but sometimes apathy is the greatest violence. To do nothing is the greatest violence. I've actually stopped crime just by stepping up and saying, hey, a guy was attacking a girl. And, and nobody was doing anything about it. And I went out there and and said, stop. You know, actually I said, hey. <laughs> That's what I said. And uh, I said it in as loud a voice as I could and as clearly as I could. And the guy turned around and was shocked. Somebody's actually doing something. Somebody's actually stopping a crime in this neighborhood. I, I can't believe it. And he didn't get away with it. And I've, I've seen that instance in, in with other people as well. It doesn't have to result in violence, but it if you're going to stop evil, you can't be apathetic. You have to stand up and take the risk. And Americans are not doing that. There's no hue and cry in America. People are robbed every day. People are abused every day. People are being poisoned every day. People are being deprived of remedy every day. As we were talking in the last show on the Keys of the Kingdom, why are they outlawing raw milk? Why are they telling us what kind of light bulb we can buy? Why are they keeping us from actually making payment in substance? Well, it's a complex answer why they're doing that. And it's not the government's fault. I mean, they're responsible for their own sins. But the reason the governments of the world have such power today is because you've been slothful. The reason you're under tribute is that you're slothful. That's what the Bible says. The slothful shall be under tribute. And the wicked will be punished by the governments they create. And God will not hear you when you reject Him and elect leaders who can exercise authority over your neighbor for your personal benefit. All of which you are allowed to do in modern churches. They say, not only do they allow it, they encourage it. They should be encouraging you to take back your responsibilities and take care of one another according to the perfect law of liberty by faith, hope, and charity. That's what they should be doing. That's what they should be focus on, focusing on. The politics of Christ is not to elect a new Caesar, a more benevolent Caesar. There is no such thing. If you elect Saul, a benevolent guy, he will become a tyrant. Probably the worst thing we could have ever done is elect Ron Paul. It would have tempted him to become a tyrant, although I think he was... Pretty good at not doing that. I think he's made some decisions in the past that were probably not totally unselfish. 
but he's a remarkable man compared to what we often have an opportunity to choose from if that's where you think your salvation is. I personally know that choosing leaders in the modern politics of any government in the world is not your salvation. Your salvation is to return to the ways of Christ. So we were going over these questions that he asked in his farewell speech, and we're going to take a look at some more of those. You'll have to go back to the other recordings if you if you missed the, the earlier shows. There's been a number of them. But anyway, here we go. Why have we allowed the federal government to regulate commodes in our homes? Well, actually, I recently installed one of these low water flushing toilets, and it was very handy. I actually put in one of those handicapped ones. I could get it for almost the same price. It was on sale. And even though I'm not ready for a handicapped toilet, uh, who knows? We might have somebody here that would, would need it. Uh, and maybe even me someday. But more likely it'll be somebody else first. I and mean, we've had people here that could have used them. But we also are on our own water system. And conserving the energy that it takes to pump the water up, it's a good deal to have a low flush toilet. But the market should determine this. The market should determine this because you need to make choices. You need to make choices out of righteousness. You need to exercise virtue. And governments that take away your choices, take away your liberties, weakens you as a people. Weakens you as a society. I remember back in the 70s when there was one of the earlier so-called fuel shortages there was a fellow who worked where I worked, and you could actually buy gas in the same place that I was working there. And uh, he would walk around in his his single-wide trailer with his five, six kids and turn the heat up in the middle of Wisconsin winter, northern Wisconsin winter. He would turn the heat up so it was like 80 degrees in that trailer. And there was a shortage, so everybody wasn't getting oil as rapidly as they normally did. And he was running out of oil. He wasn't going to have enough oil to keep his trailer warm. He would not turn his thermostat down. I want it warm. And he'd walk around in a t-shirt instead of putting on a sweater and turning the thermostat down. And he ran out of oil. <laughs> and they weren't going to deliver him anymore. So he was pumping it out of the gas pumps and taken it to his house. And eventually we discovered that he was also pilfering money out of... He was one of the guys who pumped fuel out there on the pump station. It was a large discount store, but we had a fuel pump deal. And I was the manager, and we eventually discovered that he was stealing 10, 20 bucks a day or more out of pumping gas and uh, you know putting the money in his own pocket in order to buy his oil. So that, because he didn't want to turn his thermostat down. Totally selfish. Well, eventually, it caught up with him. And that's the way it is in a free society. So you do wrong, it'll catch up with you. But when you give the power to somebody else to make those decisions, it catches up with a whole nation. And they all will be bankrupt and without oil. Because... They don't believe in free market. They believe in control. They end up electing leaders who stifle the free market, who stifle the production of oil and the provision. I'm, I'm a big one for, we don't have oil heat in this house. We're very conservative. Well, you know, 
and, and when my wife's gone, we barely even start a fire. <laughs> keep warm. <laughs> we just keep putting on more and more clothes. <laughs> oh, but the reality is, is that we we live extremely frugally because we don't have anybody else to depend upon if we run out, and we won't steal. We won't force our neighbors to provide us with warmth. We just do without. We we are not going to covet our neighbor's goods in this house. And it makes us more responsible. It makes us practice virtue until it becomes an absolute habit in everything that we do. And that's what Christians should be doing. That's what everybody should be doing. Because everybody should be going the way of Christ. But they all won't all go that way. So you need to gather together with others that will and start learning and creating a society through a network in the midst of the world and the society that we now live in that operates by these Christ-like principles of righteousness, tending to these weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith, of loving one another and caring for one another. So let's go on to the other questions. Why is it political suicide for anyone to criticize APAC. Well, to tell you the truth, I'm really not even sure what APAC is, so we'll just go on to the next question. Why haven't we given up on the drug wars uh, since it's an obvious failure and violates the people's rights? Has nobody noticed that the authorities can't even keep drugs out of the prisons? How can making your entire society a prison solve the problem? We've actually been talking about that in the previous shows, is that we're all in kind of a mental prison, that we think we're free when we're not. You know, what was it, Goethe said, no one is more hopelessly enslaved than those who believe that they are free. You're not free. You're in bondage. You're a human resource. You're merchandise. And you become that because you've been slothful in the ways of Christ, and that's what we really want to teach you is the ways of Christ. And the ways of Christ was not to forsake the gathering together, but to come together, same with Moses, together in small congregations, free assemblies, where you pick somebody who is good at service, not good at ruling or exercising authority or telling you what to think, but was good at service, and contributing to him to help take care of the needy of your society and pure religion. That's it in a nutshell. That's all it is. Loving your neighbor. Seeking righteousness in everything that you do. Living by faith, hope, and charity instead of force, fear, and violence. That's it. Christianity is not complicated. You don't need to go to the seminary to figure that out. You just need to start actually doing it. You're not doing it if you're sending your kids to public school. Because if you're doing that, you're making your neighbor pay for your child's education at the point of a gun. And that's it. You're living by the sword. You should not be doing that. Even if you homeschool your children and depend upon the funds that come from the government, you're depending on men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. I know a lot of people rationalize it, but I have to pay in. I should be able to get some of that back. It's, a, it's the principle of the thing. It's what Israel had to learn in Egypt before they could be set free. They had to pay their tally of bricks, but not get their benefits from Pharaoh. They had to benefit one another. They had to help take care of one another. 
You homeschool, you need more books, you don't have enough money to buy them, share. Form congregations of record and you will find an abundance of books and study programs available to you for nothing. All you have to do is care about others enough to gather together. This is what the story of the loaves and fishes was really all about. It's more a miracle for you to share than it is for God to create it out of nothing. That's easier to bring about that God could create it out of nothing than, than to get you to share the way you should share to be real Christians. Why do we sacrifice so much getting needlessly involved in border disputes and civil strife around the world and ignore the root cause of the most deadly border in the world, the one between Mexico and the U.S.? Now, personally, I don't really think, now that's what he says, I don't really think that that's the big problem. The real border issue that we need to face is the border between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Nimrod. Between the, the righteousness of God and the unrighteousness of Babylon. The reason people are pouring into the United States isn't just because we have you know, a, a more abundant economy. Because we're actually in debt beyond belief. The reason a lot of people come here is the welfare, the free education that isn't free, the free medical that isn't free. If we go back to living by faith, hope, and charity, we will create a border between us and those that would abuse and use and misuse our charity because our charity would be given with discretion. Those that did not work would not eat. Those that did not contribute to your local educational program in your congregation would not get helped out because they won't contribute. They're slothful. They should go to the benefactors who exercise authority and become merchandise. You should not be doing that. You should be going to each other and saying, I need help. I, I, I want to educate my kids at home, but I don't know how to do it. Is there anybody in this congregation that knows how to do it? You say, what congregation? The congregations you work to create. you got to do it. Nobody's going to build it for you and then you just slip in and say, oh, it's, it's nice. You've got to build it. And what's it going to require? Perseverance, seeking, forgiveness, giving. That's what it's going to require. And you need to be doing it. And in that doing, God will bless you. If you don't do that, He's going to say, Go and cry unto the gods that you have chosen for yourself. And you foolish virgins out there who think you've separated from the system of men, the system of things, but aren't building the kingdom. When you have your need, Christ told you He's going to slam the door in your face and He's not going to open it up. You need to be gathering together not for what you can get, but for what you can give. And you need to be doing that now and not wasting. Another question. Why does Congress willingly give up its prerogative 
to the executive branch. What's he talking about? Well, in the Constitution, only Congress can declare war and the presidents have been declaring war and calling them police actions for quite some time. But the fact is, is you know, this idea of returning to the Constitution, if you read our book, Constitutions, uh, Covenants, uh, Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions, you'll see that we don't believe the Constitution is your salvation. There's extreme flaws in that document. The early Americans who were a part of the creation of that document even warn against those flaws. Most Americans are completely oblivious to that. But they have, you know, the warnings of men like Patrick Henry have come to to reality and are now true. That his He was more of a prophet than a politician. But anyway... Uh, someone recently said that that a large group of baboons is also called a Congress. And I thought it was kind of funny, but it's kind of facetious. And I'm not picking on Congress. I'm picking on you. They say, why has Congress willingly given up its prerogatives to the executive branch? I'm going to ask you, why have you given up your prerogatives to Congress? Why have you given them up to the local county government, the local state government? Why aren't you exercising your prerogatives and guaranteeing and helping and stand fast with others so that you create your own homeschool network, your own home health network, your own system of social welfare based on faith, hope, and charity? I mean, you have the churches. You have the congregations out there. Why aren't they doing the will of the Father? Instead of sending men and women in need to men who call themselves Father. In other words, the government. And we've talked about that. I'll repeat it really quick here. When Jesus said, Call no man on earth Father, but my Father in heaven. He was talking about government. Because... The emperor of Rome was called Patronus, which means our father. And the senators of Rome were called Patri, which means father. When you address the senators, you addressed them Patri. Anybody in that crowd knew what he was talking about. Is don't look to that government to solve your problems. Solve them amongst yourselves by gathering together and working through the perfect law of liberty by faith, hope, and charity in a network based upon love, honor, and trust. And that's what the early church was. That's not what the church today is. The church today makes you feel good about the fact that you've abandoned and Christ and rejected God and elected Saul's in every nation of the world who rule over you and bring you back into bondage. Pretty hard message. Not what you were expecting if you were just turning the dial and looking for another religious show. I'm telling you what pure religion is. It's taking care of your needy without a gun. Without forcing your neighbor to contribute. Next question. Why does changing the party in power never change policy? Could it be that the views of both parties are essentially the same? Could it be that the views of the people are essentially the same? You see, I'm not agreeing with Paul all the time, Mr. Paul. I think he's in error. He's not radical enough. He's not revolutionary enough. <laughs> he's a 
great guy, but not enough. You got to be as revolutionary as Christ. Until men change, governments will not change. The majority of the people in the country want what they want at any cost. Even if it has to t come from their neighbor. They want to convince themselves, oh, we're only taxing the rich. No. You're destroying the nation because you're coveting your neighbor's goods. And when you do that, God's not going to be there for you. You're not going to get his blessings. He's not going to answer your prayers. You're under a strong delusion. And he told you you'd be under a strong delusion because you rejected him. Not this year in the election, not last year's election, not the year before that, but in way back. You've been rejecting him more and more and more. Time to repent. Time to turn around. Why did the big banks, the large corporations, the foreign banks, the foreign central banks get bailed out in 2008? And the middle class lost their jobs and their homes. Why? Because America is not a Christian nation. If the Christians who claim to be Christians were doing what Christians were doing in the first century, none of them would have lost their homes. And even if they lost their jobs, they would have not lost work. They would have taken care of themselves and they would have thrived during that economic recession. But Christians aren't Christians. They aren't doing what Christ said. They're doing what their minister said. And he said that because he's an ear tickler. And he's a bit of a beast himself. He wants to regulate your thinking instead of show you what Christ really said to do and how it actually can affect your day-to-day -day life. He's not being rough today. I need to be rough with you. You need to repent. Why do so many in government and the federal officials believe that creating money out of thin air creates wealth? Because they're under a strong delusion. They don't understand just weights and measures. They're greedy for gain. They say, let's all have one purse. And they run towards evil. Just like Proverbs says they were. You were... You sat down and ate with rulers and you were men of appetite. And they served you deceitful dainties when you should have been cutting your throat. But in reality, you did cut your throat because you made agreements with unbelievers. And why? Because your churches haven't been preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You didn't even see this coming. Now, I know there were preachers back in the 20s and 30s that saw this. But they were so rare. They were put down because you were so full of vanity that you would not listen to them. And now it's too late. You're not going to go back. You're going to have to go through now. It's kind of like getting too close to a black hole. You got too close to the black hole. Now you got to go through it. Come out the other side. It's going to get a little tight for a while. But if you repent and turn around now, start forming those congregations now, start coming together and learning what it means to live by faith, hope, and charity, you have a chance and your children have a chance. Not to avoid it, but to survive it. And the more you go towards the ways of Christ, the more you will survive until your survival turns into thriving. Because you will be thriving in spirit and truth. If you don't, 
you'll be in a lot of trouble. Why do so many accept the deeply flawed principle that government bureaucrats and politicians can protect us from ourselves without totally destroying the principle of liberty? Well, that's pretty much... <laughs> it's a good question. You're going to have to answer that one in yourself. Like I said... A common statement heard in the early days of America was as long as you look to government to solve your problems, you will always suffer tyranny. We keep going back to the government and saying, please solve our problems, when the reality is it's often the source of our problems. We live under a strong delusion. We are absolutely fooled. I can't believe how ignorant we have become. Why can't people understand that war always destroys the wealth and liberty of the people while concentrating, he didn't say this part, I'm going to add this, while concentrating the wealth in the hands of those who don't really love you. Love grows from the seed of love. You have to start gathering in real love. And love is an action word. Really, actually taking care of one another. Are you honoring your mother and your father? Are you taking care of your mother and your father out of your own pocket? Or are you using the common purse? You say, well, my folks died years ago. Well, your neighbor's folks didn't die years ago. You've got some neighbors that need help. Just like I say, if you don't have kids in school, you can still gather together with homeschoolers and help them be homeschoolers. You can do that. And that's what every congregation should be doing. And again, back to home school, home health, home industry. Why is there no little concern, so little concern for the executive order that gives the president authority to establish a kill list, including American citizens, of those targeted for assassination? You know, if you go back to the days of Hitler, that's where it went. You go back to the days of Saul. I mean, he was trying to throw a spear right into David. This is, this is the spirit of control. Well, this is where it leads to. You will turn in your neighbor to guarantee that you have food on your table because you don't love your neighbor as much as yourself. You love yourself more. If that is the case, you are not a Christian. You do not believe in Christ. You are not saved. And you are headed to hell in a handbasket. Next question. <laughs> Why is patriotism thought to be blind loyalty to the government and the politicians who run it rather than loyalty to the principles of liberty and support for the people. Real patriotism is a willingness to challenge the government when it's wrong. Patriotism. Where does that word come from? Patriotism. Even Paul said originally in his speech that we don't need more isms. We don't need more patriotism. Unless your patri is our Father who art in heaven. Because He is a giver of life, not a taker of life. If you're loyal to takers of life, you're on the wrong side. You need to repent. You need to turn around. You need to go the other way. And that's what the gospel of the kingdom is all about. So, see you in a minute. After a few words.
Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're going through these questions put forth by Ron Paul as he left political life, his farewell speech. And it has been a great jumping off point to lead us back to the gospel of the kingdom because almost every one of these questions are answered if we would return to the ways of the kingdom. And I was thinking during the break that... Uh, John the Baptist, he was out preaching the kingdom of heaven in his hand. Repent. And really, we don't have any big, long dissertations of his sermons, because he must have been giving sermons. He's out there preaching every day. What was he saying? Well, they kind of summed it up in a few little stories. He said, make straight the way of the Lord. And so there is a way. What does that look like? Well, the only real description he gave us of what the way looks like is in uh, three little dissertations that he made talking to the average individual, to soldiers and publicans and the like. And basically he is saying, live by charity, not by force. Don't force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare as Herod's system of Corbin was starting to do. He said, if you have extra, share with those that don't have enough. That simple. That simple. So we keep going back to that. In order to share with those that don't have enough, you have to gather together to find out who doesn't have enough. And then we have to also enforce Thessalonians. If he doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Does he not have enough because he's a lazy son of a gun? Because he's slothful? Does he really have enough? He's got it all hoarded in a couple of safes full of gold and silver coins that he wants to stash upstairs so nobody gets his treasure. But he is willing to have other people come from miles away to do work for him? For free? And he could actually pay them? Well, that's slothful. shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be like that. And we should bring that to his attention if we're going to preach the gospel. And people will say, oh, well, you're being mean. Christ was mean. Christ was a meanie. He was really mean. He told you the truth. But to tell you the truth is love. It's tough love. If you don't like to hear the truth, tough. Because you're going to hear it. And so we're going to go over some more of these questions. And it's going to keep bringing us back to the kingdom. The same simple message that they just don't seem to get in the modern churches today. If they had, they wouldn't have had all the trouble they've had. They wouldn't be having all the trouble they're about to have. But they can repent. That's the beauty of it. That's the good news. You can repent. You can turn around. You can change your way to Christ's way. So Paul asks, why is it claimed that if people won't or can't take care of their own needs that people in government can do it for them. You know, now, I have, I have brought to your attention many times before of this idea of exercising authority one over the other. That it is not to be that way with you. Jesus says, you are not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. A direct statement by Jesus it's not to be that way with you. If you apply to governments of the world today for benefits, aren't you applying, praying, requesting, beseeching those men who exercise authority one over the other? 
to provide you with the benefits at the expense of your neighbor? Aren't you doing that? Because they have an exercising authority? How can you say you're following Christ? If you're doing exactly what He said not to do. You're not following Christ. You should go down and kick your preacher in the rear end for not having told you already. Some of you guys go down and they try to introduce this gospel of Brother Gregory, the gospel of the kingdom, as Brother Gregory puts it, to their preacher. And he says, oh, well, that doesn't have anything to do with that. Oh, that's ridiculous. If that were true, I would be wrong. I can't be wrong. Well, guess what? Newsflash, you're wrong. You've missed it. You're under a strong delusion. You should be ashamed of yourself. Get over it. Turn around. Start doing it the way Christ said. Stop depending on the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other and start being a real first century church. Make straight the way of the Lord. That simple. Next question. <laughs> Why do we ever give the government a safe haven for initiating violence against the people? Now, I, many of you know I used to wear a badge and a gun for a living. And I was going to be in, in a police department uh, in uh, back in Minnesota that was going to exercise authority one over the other. But my motive was to make the world safe. To protect the innocent. And then I realized the people I'm protecting aren't that innocent. <laughs> they don't care about anybody else. They won't come to the aid of other people. Why should I risk my life to save them? That's the wicked. Now, I would still do it. But I wasn't going to make a living at doing it. And I'm not making a living doing it now because you want to know what you can do to protect the innocent? Repent. <laughs> Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're back there again. How come it's the same answer to all these questions? This is a, I'm cheating on this test. <laughs> it's the same answer to all the questions. <laughs> Why do some members defend free markets but not civil liberties? Well, I have a problem with the word civil liberties, but actually in our articles, citizen versus citizens, civil liberties or civil rights, well, let's call it civil rights. The same word that should be translated liberty in the Bible is also translated right. It's only translated liberty once, but it's also translated right several times. And it is mostly translated power in the King James but it means the power to choose, which is what liberty is. There is a civil liberty whereby you are not connected to the administration of government. You have certain rights to marriage, contract, etc., not regulated by government. And if you read Citizen versus Citizen, the definition is right there, right out of Black's Law Dictionary. But there's this other civil liberties that is the civil privileges is really what they are. And they are highly regulated and they are connected to the administration of government. And it's a different kind of citizenship. The word citizen is, is terribly abused and we won't get into that here. But basically they talk about defending free markets but not your liberty. Uh, they actually don't... 
<laughs> they don't defend free markets. Uh, and he did say some members defend free markets. Uh, they don't really uh, defend free markets. You can't. You don't have a free market if you're using debt notes. It's just not a free market anymore. Everything is about debt. It's not capitalism. That was one of the things that someone was saying. that Oh, capitalism is bad. And that's a common thing you're hearing all the time. They don't even know the meaning of the word capital. Capitalism is simply the private ownership of property, which is why you can't use gold and silver as money, because you don't privately own it. You publicly own it. You have a legal title. Legal title is a public title. It's a regulated title. It's not a true and actual title. It is an apparent title. And you go again, go back and read Law versus Legal if you want to understand what that is. And that was in the earlier part of these questions here. Why do some members defend civil liberties but not free markets? That was his next question. Aren't they the same? Well, in some senses they are, but they're not in your world, Ron Paul, because your world is the, is the world of Caesar. And you're a great guy, but you, there is no civil liberties. It is regulated liberties. It is civil privileges as a citizen of the United States. And he actually, I think, realizes this, but knows that it would be political suicide to explain it. But hey, I have no political ambition, so I'll tell you. <laughs> you're back in the bondage of Egypt. You're not free people. You're slaves. Your merchandise, your human resources. They tell you they have a human resource department and you're one of those human resources. They actually have a new term for that and I can't remember what it is, but uh, somebody in the Forest Service was telling me. Why don't more defend both economic liberties and personal liberties? Because they don't know what liberties are. Because their preachers haven't been preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Same answer. <laughs> Why are they not more individuals who seek to intellectually influence others to bring about positive change than those who seek power to force others to obey their commands. Now, that's an interesting... Uh, you have to go back and take that apart word for word. Why are there not more individuals who seek to intellectually influence others to bring about positive change than those who seek power to force others to obey their commands. You see, because that's that spirit of Nimrod. The reason you are ruled by Nimrod is because Nimrod already rules the heart of the majority of the people. And you thought that if you had a common purse of rights, which is what a democracy is, that you would be saved. But no. The Bible tells you that common purse runs to evil. And you will be trapped in the net of your own making. Like David and Paul says, what should have been for your welfare shall become a snare. Which is why when you sit and eat with a ruler, you're to put a knife to your throat if you be a man of appetite because he serves deceitful meats. Those benefits will take away your freedom. And that's what's happening in so many different levels. It's taking away your freedom because you've given up your responsibilities. You want your rights back, take back your responsibilities. Same answer, seek the kingdom. Why does the use of religion to support a social gospel and preemptive wars, both of which require authoritarian to use violence, 
or the threat of violence go unchallenged? Well, they're not going unchallenged. I'm challenging them. (laughs) These religious groups who want you to elect a ruler that can exercise authority one over the other have abandoned Christ. I know some of them are good guys, nice guys, but they are under a strong delusion that they think that their salvation is in electing a different Caesar. They have missed the gospel of the kingdom. They have missed the gift that Christ gave them. The appointed church of Jesus Christ that is there to implement a society based on faith, hope, and charity rather than that authoritarians who use violence or the threat of violence. He goes on in the same question. Aggression and forced redistribution of wealth has nothing to do with the teachings of the world's greatest religions. Well, actually, I'm going to have to argue that. Because what I see them teaching is that it is okay. If they send their kids to public school, then they think it's okay. If they tell old people to sign up, or young people to sign up for Social Security, which is a voluntary act, then it's not okay. If they're not creating a system whereby those children do not have to get a Social Security number to live and work in the world, then they evidently, those religions, those religious institutions, believe in aggressive force and redistribution of wealth. But they certainly don't believe in Christ. Now, if we interpret what he is saying as the teachings of the world's great religions, going back to the original founders of those religions, then yes, maybe Ron is correct. And I think that that's actually what he is saying. So, I'm just being kind of the devil's advocate here. Because that's what you've heard me saying all along. That Buddha did not advocate taking away from your neighbor to provide you with benefits. He talked about doing without. (laughs) The Hindus didn't talk. There's a huge movement in the Hindu religion that talks about sharing Sharing meals, common meals, taking care of one another. Even the Muslims have that. When they have a sacrifice, before they consume one morsel of that sacrifice, that goat or sheep that they sacrificed, they have to take the meat and give the extra meat away to the poor before they can take one bite. It's in their original religion. Do they do that? Not if they're sending their kids to public school. If they're doing that, they're devouring the flesh of their children because all these schools are operating on debt. Isn't that right? Isn't that what you're doing? You're devouring the flesh of your children. Like it says in Micah. You're eating them up. It's terrible. You're all a bunch of cannibals. And actually, to show you how far this goes... They talk about stem cell research. They're taking cells from an embryo and taking the pancreas and preening it up and injecting it into people who have like uh, diabetes where their pancreas or whatever it is that uh, uh, is not working and regenerating cells. That's cannibalism, folks. 
You're eating. You're consuming. You're actually mining the wombs of your daughters. That's where you're going with this. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. There's a spirit in this that is terrible, that is wicked, that is dangerous. And it's going to produce the fruits of that spirit. You are ripe for the greatest holocaust in the history of mankind. And the writing is on the wall. And you're on the menu. Unless you repent. And start letting Christ in. And start living the way Christ said to live. You have to turn around and go the other way. He goes and asks another question. Why do we allow the government and the Federal Reserve to disseminate false information dealing with both economics and foreign policy? And actually, we've seen that. It's because the lie is in us that we allow them to lie because we want to hear the lie. Our preachers have been lying to us for years, tickling our ears because we'd rather have our ears tickled than hear the truth. That's why a lot of people find me so harsh. Because I'm not going to tickle your ears. I'm not going to say, well, it's okay if you just kind of think about, uh, you know, gathering together and helping one another. And I mean, as long as you accept Jesus, you're okay. You know, no, you're not accepting Jesus unless you're loving one another in an active, proactive way. And you can't do that unless you gather together because you won't know what the needs of your neighbors are. And people say, well, nobody called me when you, you know, I was, I separated myself from your group and nobody called me and asked how I was. You separated. This is about individual responsibility. If you want a congregation, you form it. If you want a congregation of record, keep the records and connect with other congregations and share your records, not only with your overseer, but with them. Because your overseer doesn't have any power to force you to do anything in Christ's church, that's what, you know, the word we see translated into bishop actually in the Greek means overseer. But he doesn't exercise authority one over the other. He's there to serve. You have to give him the tools by which he will serve. And that begins with records. Why does he need records? So that when there is a disaster, he can say, wait a minute, I know this congregation has an extra generator. I know in this congregation there's a surgeon. I know in this congregation there's somebody who knows health care or knows insurance programs or knows whatever it is you need to know. Agriculture. How to, you know, clear a mastitis tit on a cow. I can help you with that. <laughs> That's what you, you create a network of people where you don't Google it, you church it. You got a question, you ask them at church. You have a need, you go to church. If you have a shortage, you go to church. And you're so well connected that you're actually functioning as the body of Christ. Helping one another. Feeding one another. That doesn't come about because you're on an email group. That comes about because you work at it. Because you seek it. Because you strive. All these words Christ used. He didn't say just believe. He said strive. Persevere. You're not going to be able to do enough. But if you don't start back. Like the prodigal son you are. God won't run out and meet you halfway. He won't even hear your prayers. 
You won't be able to do enough. You're not going to earn salvation. But if you aren't doing the Word, don't expect God to come out and meet you. If you don't forgive, neither will you be forgiven. Yes, also, why is democracy held in such high esteem when it's the enemy of the minority and makes all rights relative to the dictates of the majority? Good question. Kind of answers itself. Why should anyone be surprised that Congress has no credibility since there's such a disconnect between the politicians, what the politicians say and what they do? In order to form this living network, there cannot be a disconnect. You need to talk to one another. You need to share with one another. You need to be a part of what one another is doing. And there are ways to do that. And yeah, you can use the internet. You can use the telephone. And the more people you find that are connecting, the more momentum you will develop and the more people that will come together to form real viable congregations on the ground so that you can be of assistance to one another. We pointed out during the Big Sandy there was a fire in one of the nuclear reactors out there in New York that had it continued to get out of control, there would have been a Fukushima in New York. You wouldn't have been looking for a place to go for a couple of days while the water was receding. You'd need a place to go hundreds of miles away to live, to reconnoiter and establish a new way. And you would have had to leave your gold and silver behind because you might have had to leave instantly. Do you have a place to go? Do you have a people that will receive you? The early church did. When they had to evacuate from Jerusalem and not even go back and get their coat, they had to leave all their gold and silver there because they weren't allowed to take it out the gates because they were completely surrounded by the Roman army and the, and the Jews that had gotten into control and thrown John off of the wall weren't going to let you take anything. So the Christians left everything and left with the clothes on their back, didn't even go back and get their coat. They gladly gave everything because they knew they had to give everything, despite what some translators say, that uh, Revelations hadn't been written yet. It had. And they left. But they had a network all over the Roman Empire and beyond that absorbed these people who had learned to live by faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty and gave them a place to live where they thrived. Why do you think Paul was making tents? Because they often had to move. And they could move without being devastated because they had a place to go because they had worked at building a network of faith, hope, and charity, which is what the kingdom of God really is all about. But you have to work at it. Last question he has here. I think we're on the last. Uh, yeah, this is the last one in this line. Is there any explanation for all the deception and unhappiness the fear of the future, the loss of confidence in our leaders, the distrust, the anger, the frustration. He says, yes, there is. And there is a way to reverse these attitudes. The negative perceptions are logical and the consequence of bad policies bringing about your, our problems. Identification of the problems and recognizing the cause allowed the proper change to come easy. The problem is we haven't been seeking the kingdom of God, nor have we been seeking his righteousness. 
we have not been keeping the commandments of God. We have been coveting our neighbor's goods, which leads to us murdering thousands of unborn children, millions of foreigners in foreign lands. So we mentioned, and Paul mentions earlier in his thing, 500,000 Iraqis died during the 1990 war, mostly children. We need to repent. We need to turn around. We need to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And we need to do it now. Until then, may peace be upon your house and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.